This archived broadcast of Janet Meffer Today is brought to you by Bible League. Your gift of $35 will send seven Bibles to Christians in need, and your gift of $100 will send 20 Bibles. And right now, with a matching gift, your gift will be doubled. Call now, 800-YES-WORD, 800-YES-WORD, 800-YES-WORD. Or there's a banner to click at JanetMefford.com. This is Janet Mefford Today. Our confidence is in Christ alone. Are we going to stand with God come what may? If the Word of God says it, I believe it! And that's the way it is. And now, here is Janet Mefford. Welcome, everybody. Can the Bible accurately reveal when the world will end? And can we really know? It's a subject that has been on a lot of minds lately as we are all increasingly nervous about the effects of the coronavirus pandemic. After all, the Lord Jesus predicted about the end of the age, for nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Well, we're going to talk about it all today with apologist and author Alex McFarland. He recently did a live webcast tackling this important issue along with a strategy briefing millennials and Generation Z uh, talking about how we need to reach them with the gospel and save this nation from socialism. There's a lot to talk about. It's just wonderful to welcome you back, Alex. How have you been? Oh, I've been doing great, Janet. Thank you so much for having me back. And uh, may I commend you for the great work you're doing for God and country. Oh, you as well, Alex. It's just an honor to have you here. I noticed, this was interesting, according to Pew Research, half of Americans are now praying for the end of the coronavirus. There really is some stress out there right now. What have you observed about the mood in this culture right now, given where we all are under quarantine? And these are really unprecedented times. Well, they, they really are. You know, these times are unlike anything you or I have experienced in our life. And in a way, it kind of reminds me of hearing my grandparents talk about the Depression or during World War II blackouts, you know, when yeah. um, everybody had to, you know, kind of pull together. And I, I think people are spiritually open. I mean, just a few days ago on my radio show, I've had two people on live radio call in uh, with you know, emotion in their voice and on live radio in front of millions of listeners, they've said, uh, how do I get right with God? I'm afraid. And, and we've led people to Christ. And so I would say to your audience, Janet, that the number one most important thing of all, even more important than an antidote for the COVID-19 virus is God's antidote against sin. And I would say to everybody, Jesus Christ is as close by as a prayer and we can talk about that, but people are people are thinking about eternity. They're thinking about their own mortality. And if, if it takes something as severe as this to humble us and bring us to God, well, then so be it. I agree with you completely. And that is really exciting what you just said, that you were able to lead some people to the Lord. That That is something good that comes out of scary situations like this. What about the issue, though, of God's judgment, Alex? I know this is coming up and already the media is trying to find any Christian who's raising the issue of coronavirus potentially being any kind of judgment, e- either a general judgment or a specific judgment on the world. We don't know for sure. But how do you deal with that subject when people come to you? Because people are wondering, is God mad at us? Is this something that he's trying to send our way to judge our nation. How do you see it? Well, you know, it's funny. Um, even right now, as you and I speak, uh, Dolly Parton is being castigated in the media because uh, she said that God is trying to get our attention. Hmm. And, and uh, while, you know, uh, Dolly Parton is no paragon of, 
of theology necessarily. Um, I agree, God God does want to get our attention. And if ever a nation, you know, deserved the judgment of God, it's, it's the United States of America. Now, I, I want to say God doesn't get angry in the sense of like a human being pitching a tantrum. But do you know, when the Bible speaks of God's anger against sin and his holy indignation, do you know that's actually love? for us, because God does love us. God loves every person, and the Bible says that God is very patient, long-suffering, not willing that any should perish. And God knows that sin brings death, sin destroys our, our bodies, and without Christ, our souls. So God is angry against sin, but Janet, the beautiful thing, and, and I know you know this, and I know this, we want the world to know it, God acts redemptively. And to to everyone listening, I would say, if you will turn to the Lord Jesus, believe that he is the Son of God, and on that cross of Calvary, he paid for the sins of the world, but he paid for all of our sins, and he knows every person by name. And so while America, we are a seriously sin-sick prodigal nation, we're a nation that has glorified immorality, and we've murdered the unborn, and we're a nation that has in many ways turned away from known truth. But Janet, God is merciful, and I would say to everybody hearing these words that the Lord Jesus is as close by as a prayer, and if you will call on his name and say, Lord, I am sorry for my sins, and I believe that you paid my price, and please forgive me. Christ will save any today who call on him. I love that. Alex, there's no more important message than that. The gospel of Jesus Christ really needs to be heard, really needs to be absorbed by people who might have just been a little bit lackadaisical about their relationship with the Lord or maybe completely uninterested in the Lord up until this point. But, you know, I look at the words of Jesus in the Olivet Discourse, and when we're talking about the end of the world, we sometimes have prognosticators who are predicting when Jesus will come back. You remember the 88 reasons Jesus will return in 1988 didn't happen? Oh, <laughs> we have- I do. I remember that. Yeah, yeah, I was remembering that today. But Jesus said, no man knows the day or the hour, only the Father. And what do you get from this issue of looking for the signs? Because on the one hand, Jesus was telling us to pay attention to the signs. But to what extent have we seen those signs fulfilled? How do we know uh, what has been fulfilled when we look at Scripture? Well, great, great question. And in, in Mark chapter 13, and, and Janet, one of the reasons that I cite the book of Mark, um, a lot of critics uh, quibble about different books of the New Testament, um, but even even liberal critics generally affirm the gospel of Mark. And in Mark 13, 32 through 37, the Lord said this, concerning the day and the hour, nobody knows, not even the angels in heaven, but only the Father. So be on guard and stay awake. Uh, because you do not know when the time will come. Now, uh, we can't set a date for Christ's return. However, um, the Bible does speak of the signs of the times, and and I I do think there are some indicators. And and let me give you a few things that are all coalescing in our lifetime. It it really is amazing. That's why I would say to everybody, have your house in order. you know, there was a French atheist, Voltaire, and he used to mock the Bible, and he would say, well, you know, the book of Revelation talks about Jerusalem this and Israel that, 
and there is no nation of Israel. Well, you know, 72 years ago, unprecedented in world history, you know, after an almost 1,900-year absence, the nation of Israel reconstituted itself. And here we are, you know, one of the most powerful nations, uh, our greatest ally in the Middle East, uh, probably the greatest military intel in the world, the nation of Israel. Uh, Another thing that atheists and skeptics would really lampoon for centuries was during the tribulation period, the Bible talks about the whole wide world seeing things going on in the city of Jerusalem. Uh, uh, Two witnesses that lay dead in the streets of Jerusalem, and the whole world rejoices. And skeptics would really mock and say, well, how can the whole wide world see something all at once? Well, my goodness, you know, in real time right now, you know, we can watch streaming video of things on the other side of the planet. So we live in a time Israel is in their land. There's cryptocurrency. There's this uh, wiring of the planet and digital footprints. And let's be honest, our our mobile devices are listening. Uh, Janet, I I mentioned a musical group. My wife and I were talking about a musical group. uh, And I pull up YouTube hours later. My whole YouTube sidebar is populated with videos of a musical group I just mentioned in passing. And supposedly uh, my... Uh, interactive listening component is turned off. So here's the thing, folks. This idea of of the UN controlling the world or some political, uh, you know, league and a one-world currency and a one-world government, I honestly believe, Janet, that this COVID pandemic is changing the world. The world will never be the same. And, And I've got to say, with things like Uh, the growth of the Christian church and the rise in immorality and political and governmental and financial instability, we're near. Well, I'll tell you what, hang on, Alex. We're going to come right back on Janet Mefford today with Alex McFarland. Stay with us. This is Janet Mefford, and we're partnering with the Bible League on Stand With Them, Bibles for the Persecuted Church. Paul reminded Timothy that all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Persecution is defined as suffering for the sake of Christ and His glory, and it comes in many forms all over the world. In India, it's being shunned by Hindu family members. In China, it's the loss of church buildings. In the Middle East, it could be jail or even death at the hands of extremists. Isaiah is a new Christian praying for the nourishment that comes only from God's Word. Send him a Bible for only $5. $100 sends Bibles to 20 Christians, and a limited-time match will double your gift. Help us help Bible League send the hope of God's Word to 1,200 persecuted believers. All you have to do is call 800-YES-WORD. That's 800-YES-WORD. Or there's a banner to click at JanetMefford.com. 800-YES-WORD. Are you in need of a health care program? You're in luck. As a member of Liberty HealthShare, you're part of a community that comes together to share their medical expenses. You can sign up throughout the year with memberships starting as early as the following month. And there are no contracts or commitments. 
programs start as low as $199 per month, and there's no network, so you can choose your own doctors and hospitals. Liberty HealthShare is a nonprofit ministry, not insurance, so your money goes toward helping other members with their eligible medical expenses. And in your time of need, other members are there for you, too. You can feel good knowing you're part of a community of like-minded individuals who understand the importance of people coming together to bear one another's burdens. Find out more by calling 855-565-2561. That's 855-565-2561. Or visit libertyhealthshare.org slash JMT. That's libertyhealthshare.org slash JMT. You're listening to Janet Mefford today. And now, here's Janet. Welcome back. We are considering some extremely important things today with Dr. Alex McFarland, great Christian apologist. You can check him out at alexmcfarland.com. Wonderful resources there as well. Great books by Alex. Alex, we were talking about COVID-19. You did a recent webcast on the issue of whether or not the Bible can accurately reveal when the world will end. And you were saying right before the break that because of this pandemic, the world will never be the same. Why do you think that's the case? And how does that tie into the rest of what we're seeing going on in America today? Oh, great question. Uh, well, one of, the, one of the things that really everybody should thank God for is that Donald Trump is in the White House right now rather than Hillary Clinton. Oh, amen to that. Because let, let me say this, there's one thing that the liberal progressives hate worse than Donald Trump, and that's the U.S. Constitution. <laughs> yep. And had Hillary Clinton been in the White House in 2020, um, our sovereignty and our constitutionally protected civil rights would already have been surrendered to some U.N. tribunal. I, mean, I really believe that, Janet. And so, uh, for one thing, just, just this bill, look at the, uh, the assistance bill that the Democrats, I mean, talk about being immoral here at a time of great duress and human need stuffing the bill or attempting to with things like Obama phones. Yep. Um, can you imagine um, how much simpler it would have been and how much more effective and um, appropriate if the houses had been controlled by Republicans that would have done something that was actually moral and beneficial and not per- politically opportunistic? You know. Well, yeah, it's and, like the twenty five million that went to the Kennedy Center and they immediately turned around and laid off the musicians from the National Symphony Orchestra. I mean, how, how sleazy is that? And then gave a donation, I guess it was, to the DNC right after that. Yeah, I I'm I'm like the la- hey, I got ninety nine things to think about and the Kennedy Center ain't one of them exactly. right now. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Yes. And Ecclesiastes 12, verse 14 says that God will bring every work into judgment, every secret thing, whether it's good or bad, God will bring into judgment. Now, that's one thing that um, our legislators ought to be thinking about, but it's something everybody needs to to be thinking about. But, uh, you know, the Bible has, folks, the Bible has a 100% track record of God keeping His promise. And the Bible talks about near the end of time that, that, that skeptics will scoff and say, you know, where is the promise of his coming? Yes. And, and 2 Peter 3, 4, from the creation, things have just gone on like they always have. Listen, um, when Christ came, Galatians 4, 4 says, in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, 
to redeem those that were under the law. I mean, the fullness of time really means that precisely the right moment of history, God sent Christ into the world through Bethlehem. All right, there are a number of people that have said, and I'm talking present and past, that there would be this certain time near the end of the 20th, maybe the dawn of the 21st century. Uh, Do you know some of the great reformers like the Wesleys, Martin Luther, they believe that shortly before the return of Christ would be a rise in what they call Mohammedism. Hmm. That's Islam. Yep. Um, the, the reformers 500 years ago, um, October 31, 1517, was Luther's you know, nailing of the thesis on the door of the church in Wittenberg, Germany. But they believed that near the end of time, these would be some of the signs. It would be uh, an increase in evil, Hedonism, violence, occultism, there would be an increase in false teachers, and we're seeing that in American denominations like the PCUSA and the the United Methodists that are in many ways apostate and and denying the very scripture they're paid to uphold. I I think about even those within the Southern Baptists that are um, not not necessarily Southern and not necessarily Baptist, but... There would be conflict in the Middle East. There would be even some uh, saw that there would be maybe some sort of reconstitution of the nation of Israel. And, of course, we know that happened. There would be apostasy. But one of the signs that they felt like would be possibly a precursor to the return of Christ, the end of history, would be a rise of Islam. And, oh, my goodness. You know, Janet, I remember since the 70s, it's like— there's not been a day of news that has gone by that Islam has not been in the news in some form or fashion. Right. Um, basically, since the time of the Shah of Iran and the deposition of the Shah, and remember all that uh, with Terry Waite and the hostages right. just before the election of Ronald Reagan. But one other thing, and, and, and let me say this, and I want your feedback, um, that many believed, Billy Graham believed, I believe, just before the rapture, there's going to be a great outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And I would say this, this, this pandemic is, is definitely a reshuffling of the, the, the deck of this world. But if there's a major revival and an outpouring of the Spirit and many salvations and repentance of sin, then I think that is almost a guarantee that, that we are right at the eve of the rapture wow. and Christ's return. Wow. We very well could be. And that's why we need to have our lamps ready, right? We need to be ready at all times. Um, yeah. Matthew chapter 11. Yep. Um, because, you, you know, just as when Noah was building the ark and for 120 years, no doubt people scoffed and they said, hey, you're right. Crazy old man building a boat. And yet the moment came when the rain fell and the door of the ark was shut. And you mentioned the uh, in Matthew 11, the virgins, you know, there were 10 virgins and five were wise and had oil and five were unwise. Mm-hmm. And then when the bridegroom gave the shout, you know, here I come, uh, the five that had no oil. And I, I mean, you know, the oil often represents the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. But here's my point. The moment came and they were unprepared. And And let me say this, and I'm not trying to be morose or anything like that, but honestly, 
thinking about one's own mortality is the wisest thing anyone would ever do. And Hebrews 9.27 says that God knows the day that we're all going to die, whether by the return of Christ or our own death. I would beg of your audience, be ready. Mm -hmm. Turn to Christ. Mm -hmm. He loves you so. And whether by death or by His return, you'll be ready. And we can help you if you need spiritual help, you know, alexmcfarland.com. We've got a little booklet we've given to well over a quarter million people to help them either come to Christ or come back to Christ. So if if this COVID-19 causes people to think about their soul and to turn to the Lord and make some changes, praise God, I just, I pray that our nation, you know, Janet, that we would stop listening to the Hollywood reprobates. And once again, like our founding fathers and mothers did, we would listen to God and his truth. Yep. Amen to that, Alex. This is really, really important because the Lord will come back in an hour we do not expect. That's something that we need to keep in mind. Yeah. You know, a couple of minutes left, and I know we've got a lot more we could talk about for hours on end, Alex. It's always so much fun to talk to you. But one of the things that's really on your heart that the Lord has laid on your heart for a number of years has been the younger generations. And truth for a new generation is your moniker. But when you look at some of these statistics, uh, Barna recently came out with a new poll on statistics about biblical worldview showing that 2% of 18 to 29-year-olds have a biblical worldview. That's beyond a crisis. How do you want to address that, Alex? What, what is it that you think needs to be done at this hour to really get the gospel to that generation that's coming up? Well, well uh, that's true. Do you know, 14 and a half years ago when I was working for James Dobson and we were, uh, our staff was feverishly working on some things that ultimately became the Truth Project and several other resources, Barna estimated 9% of people had a biblical worldview. And, you know, uh, several of my ministerial friends, they were were kind of like, oh, Alex, chill out, you're a little bit over the top. And I I know know you get that, too, sometimes, because those of us that really care, and we, we know that ideas and beliefs have consequences, but here we are, and now two, two and a half percent of a biblical worldview. Mm. The answer is the home and the church. Yep. We've got to be in this for the long haul. We need to build great Christian homes. We need to teach our kids. And I want to say we need men that will step up and be the priest of the home, uh, as God calls us to be. Men, I want to say the greatest thing you could ever do for your children is to love their mother and then build a Christian home. But I want to say to the pastors, and Janet, I've pastored two churches. Believe me, I know it. But men of God in the pulpit, it's time to be courageous. It's time to be put on your big boy pants and preach the whole counsel of God. Spurgeon said, if sin isn't preached from the pulpit, it'll be practiced in the pew. So we need Christian families. We need good, solid churches. But we need Christian leaders that will not dole out cotton candy and pablum, but the life-changing truth of God's Word. Well, and it all does come down to the authority of Scripture, Alex, and you had mentioned the Southern Baptist Convention among many other church bodies, but when we're talking about that one in particular, there's been a big fight going on between Bible-believing conservatives and those who want to take it in a woke direction. This is why we need to fight for our churches as well, isn't it? I mean, that we cannot just let any situation that is bubbling up where you have unbiblical ideas flooding into your denomination 
congregation are flooding into your churches. That's not something that we can just put off and say, eh, it doesn't matter. Somebody else will take care of it because we have this new generation of kids coming up, students coming up who are taking all of this in. And what if they don't understand the inerrancy and the authority of scripture in their own lives? What kinds of lives will they lead? And it's all, oh man, so important. I want to refer you over to Alex McFarland's website, alexmcfarland.com. Get some great resources. Alex, you're the best. Thank you so much for being with us and stay well. God bless you, my friend. Thank you so much. We'll be back on Janet Meffer today. This archived broadcast of Janet Meffer Today is brought to you by Bible League. Your gift of $35 will send seven Bibles to Christians in need, and your gift of $100 will send 20 Bibles. And right now, with a matching gift, your gift will be doubled. Call now, 800-YES-WORD, 800-YES-WORD, 800-YES-WORD. Or there's a banner to click at JanetMefford.com. You're listening to Janet Mefford Today and Now. Here's your host, Janet Mefford. Welcome back. We have heard a lot lately about the outrage that abortion clinics have been allowed to stay open during this pandemic in certain spots. But what about crisis pregnancy centers? In fact, it's more important than ever to be doing the work of saving lives at a time like this. And as you know, our friends at Preborn are on the front lines when it comes to saving preborn babies' lives. Through your generous gifts, Preborn helps provide free ultrasounds to abortion-minded women. And when that young mom faced with an unplanned pregnancy sees her baby on that ultrasound... 80% of the time, she's going to choose life. And without that ultrasound, one out of every three preborn babies will perish. One ultrasound costs just $28. And for a gift of $140, you can provide five free ultrasounds. The number to call 855-402-BABY, 855-402-BABY. Or there's a banner to click at JanetMefford.com. And we thank you, all of you who have been supporting this wonderful cause. But how are these centers coping during the COVID-19 crisis? What does it say about our culture when abortion is considered to be essential? We're going to get some thoughts on it all now from Dan Steiner, National Director of Preborn. Dan, thank you so much for being here. Good to be here again on the Janet Mefford program where uh, we have a vibrant partner in saving lives and uh, in yourself and in your listeners, Janet. So we're just grateful for uh, the lives that have been saved. Well, we are too, Dan, and we're so grateful for what you're doing. I've been curious to ask because I have seen some stories about crisis pregnancy centers, and of course they're affected in a lot of the same ways that every other business is affected at this moment or every other ministry. What is going on with the crisis pregnancy centers, the ultrasounds, and the pro-life work that's being done around the country at this moment because of this pandemic? Has it been affected very very much? It's had a dramatic effect in a, in a couple of different ways, Janet, uh, the most significant of which is that our crisis lines are being flooded, frankly, with pregnant girls and, and boyfriends that are wanting to abort and mothers that are wanting to have their daughters aborted because sheltering in, time on your hands, not at school, not at college, can't go out and do anything equals unplanned pregnancy. So we're getting a lot more unplanned pregnancies, a lot of abortion-minded calls. And in the face of that, We're also having uh, our older volunteers in many of the states that are reluctant to come in uh, and counsel because of the threat of the virus. Um, This is just a a real difficult time for us from a number of perspectives, donations as well, uh, and people uh, that have lost their jobs are are somewhat down. So 
Uh, many of our clinics have had to shut down their fundraising events because they can't gather to have a banquet or, or have a walk. So it has affected us from a funding standpoint, and uh, the need is even greater in the face of that funding uh, restriction. So, yeah, it's, it's quite a uh, quite a challenge. Challenging time, and yet the need seems to be up. And so you need as much help as you can possibly get, because this is the point. You have, I, I have been seeing some terrible things in the news. I know there are a number of states now that have cracked down on abortion clinics, and, and I'm so happy about that. Indiana, Texas, Iowa, Mississippi, Ohio, Oklahoma, uh, they're trying to dramatically curtail access to abortion during this pandemic. But there is this idea out there that, boy, women really need abortion as a essential services during a pandemic. And I'm scratching my head saying, what are you guys talking about? I mean, this is a time we ought to be saving lives, not exterminating more children. This is just, how do you react to all of this? Well, I think the scripture says, uh, the Lord says, all those who hate me love death. And so it's not just that they're killing children, but they're also killing coronavirus patients and their medical attendees, doctors and nurses, and uh, that are helping them in hospitals. They can't get the supplies that they need because they're being consumed by these abortionists doing elective surgeries uh, because they're driven by two things. One is their unadulterated profit motive. They don't want to miss a step in being able to cash out on these girls' misfortune. And then secondly, their ideological uh, drivenness not to compromise one step on abortion. And so in many states, such as a couple of states, Ohio and Texas, the state says don't do it. They're saying we're open anyway and they're gonna and they're gonna sue the governor for issuing the order. <laughs> so they're just defiant in a couple of places in the face of this. Some of the others like Indiana, the abortion clinics are actually shutting down. But uh what we see here is the is the steeled resolution of uh these merchants of death to kill children and make money at it at any cost. And they're unprincipled, it's anti-American, it's, you know, flying in the face of common sense and common decency in this pandemic to use these medical supplies for these elective surgeries just because you don't want to lose cash. Yeah. And, and I mean, really, don't you believe that they are exploiting young girls? Because, I, you know, you hear about this, they're home, they're getting worried, they're scared, they have more time on their hands to think it over and, and you know, fret about the future. Maybe they've lost their jobs or their boyfriends or husbands have lost their jobs. And, and it really seems like Planned Parenthood and the like are exploiting the emotional turmoil of the moment in order to convince these girls what you really need to do to solve your problem is to kill your baby. But Dan, give us the other side of the story, because this is what preborn is all about. And that is saving preborn lives. And you do this with women who walk into the centers wanting to have abortions and the ultrasound changes everything. It really is the answer to the issue. Yeah, they're being pressured by the culture, by Planned Parenthood, by the mother of the pregnant girl to doesn't want to deal with the, the, the baby, the, the boyfriend who doesn't want the accountability he pushing her to abort. And yet, if we will introduce her for the first time, she gets to see her baby real time in real life and the real heartbeat of that baby's. it touches her heart and she chooses life double to the likelihood. She'll choose life 80%. And that's what your listeners have done over and over again, Janet, is for $28 supporting one of these ultrasounds, $140 gives five free ultrasounds to these girls. And uh, it's all tax deductible, uh, even more so now. Uh, there's been, uh, even if you don't itemize, you can still take a deduction up to $300 
for this. And so there's uh, opportunity here to actually do something to save lives. And I think that the Lord uh, is involved in all of this horrible thing that's about our nation, this pandemic. Yep. And he's looking for righteousness. He's looking for people to stand up and take a stand uh, for what's right. And uh, there's nothing more right than saving the lives of a little innocent baby who's caught in the crosshairs of uh, an unplanned pregnancy and uh, these abortion merchants that are trying to capitalize on this girl's misfortune. Yeah, I agree with you. And I just want to give out that phone number for people. $28, as Dan said, is the cost of one ultrasound for a woman who is abortion-minded who comes into a crisis pregnancy center. And Preborn works with these crisis pregnancy centers across the country. $28, just $28. 855-402-BABY is the number to call, or there's a banner to click at JanetMefford.com if you'd like to support this wonderful ministry. 855-402-BABY. Dan, you also always emphasize the fact that you're not just about saving the lives of babies, but you're also about reaching their moms with the gospel. Can you speak a little to the work that you do in that regard? Yeah, it's really um, an important thing to work on her worldview that got her into the unplanned pregnancy and the sexual immorality, frankly, in the first place. You know, 65% of the girls that come to us are single and they're pregnant, so they're getting pregnant outside of wedlock. Um, and so we really need a heart change. There's only one person that can do that heart change. It's kind of interesting, isn't it? We're all about hearts. So showing the mother their heartbeat, but also changing the girl's heart, uh, having her be born again through a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so our centers lead the nation, the percent of women that come to Christ, and uh, our uh, counselors are evangelists to these girls, and that is their greatest need, Janet, is, is, is the Lord the principles found in the Word of God that will help them make better decisions so they won't be an unplanned pregnancy. So if they are, in fact, pregnant, they can raise their child in the fear and admonition of the Lord and the love of the Lord. And so this is a critical element of what we do in every single girl that comes in. We're looking for that opportunity to uh, lead her to Christ. We don't push it. And the Holy Spirit's a gentleman. He never shoulders into any conversation. But, uh, yeah, it's a critical point of what we do. And, and with regard to the ultrasounds, we also, a third thing we do, Janet, is we actually put ultrasound machines in centers. So uh, for $15,000, you can put an ultrasound machine in a pregnancy clinic um, that at this point in time is uh, less than ever able to afford one yeah. with uh, donations being down and volunteers being down and everything else. So if that might be a businessman out there that has the ability to do that, why, that would be wonderful. Well, it would. Well, you can call 855-402-BABY if you're able to donate. One ultrasound costs just $28 for a gift of $140. You can offer five free ultrasounds to abortion-minded women through the great ministry of Preborn. Dan Steiner with us. Dan, thank you so much for stopping by, and God bless you. Story Company comes I Still Believe. Available now for home viewing on demand. Based on the real-life true story of chart-topping singer Jeremy Camp, I Still Believe reminds us that amidst life storms, true hope can be found in Christ. You chose willingly to walk into the fire with her. That's what love is. I Still Believe. Starring KJ Apa, Britt Robertson, Shania Twain, and Gary Sinise. More information is available at IStillBelieveMovie.com. There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. 
Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov COVID-19. This message brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. This is Janet Mefford. Did you know that persecuted believers are praying to receive their own Bible? Nepo is a pastor in Africa attacked while preaching by extremists, and he's praying for Bibles for former Muslims who are now following Christ. Ada was forced into an arranged marriage to an abusive atheist in Europe, but her godly witness led him to Jesus. Emilio lost everything after his home was burned by witches in Latin America, and he's praying for a Bible to share Christ with them. Will you be the answer to these pleas for God's Word and see many others come to faith? $5 sends one Bible, $35 sends seven Bibles, and a limited time Bible for Bible match will help us reach our goal of sending God's Word to 1,200 persecuted Christians. Become a Bible sender today by calling 800-YES-WORD. That's 800-YES-WORD. Or by clicking the Bible League banner at JanetMefford.com. 800-YES-WORD. You're listening to Janet Mefford today. And now, here's Janet. It's very interesting to me how the boundaries keep getting pushed in terms of what is constitutional. We've seen a lot of this going on during this pandemic and some of the bizarre things that are happening. And one of the most bizarre things that just happened over the weekend was David Benham was arrested. Now, David Benham and I go way back. David and Jason, the Benham brothers, we go way back. Uh, all the way back to when HGTV kicked them off the air because they were called anti-gay. And that was all based on an interview that I had done with the Benhams at one time. So we go back a long way and they're just the greatest guys, great Christian guys, really boldly living for Jesus Christ. And now David Benham has been arrested in front of an abortion clinic in North Carolina. He runs a nonprofit called Cities for Life. And they were out there, and according to what David Benham has reported, this Cities for Life group had several people who were outside this abortion clinic trying to provide essential services for life to these women who were trying to go in and get abortions at this abortion clinic. And you know, the state of North Carolina, like some of the other states, has determined that abortion services are essential, quote unquote, ridiculous. So... He got a call from one of the sidewalk counselors and there were fewer than five of them. This is important because they have put out a lot of these orders saying you can't gather in groups of more than 10 people. There were fewer than five. They had chalked the sidewalk, according to David Benham, to make sure that they kept more than six feet between each of them. So they were doing the social distancing and Cities for Life is a nonprofit and nonprofits are specifically excluded from this order that was given to socially distance yourself and, you know, essential versus non-essential services. But public charities, according to the Daily Wire, that offer social services are looked upon as essential services. So they had a right to be there. They were part of a group that was considered essential. They are trying to help women choose life. What's more essential than choosing life? Nothing. And if abortion is essential, sidewalk counseling is even more essential. And I would reject the argument that abortion is essential, obviously. But I want you to hear a little bit of this Twitter video that he put out on social media, because you can hear for yourself what the exchange was like between David Benham and one of the police officers. Listen to cut one. 
We are practicing social distancing. We have cleaned our hands. We are offering help to these mothers. And if you're saying that we don't have the right to be here, then go in the abortion clinic and make the arrest there. Mr. Benham, I, I don't have the authority to go in the abortion but, clinic. So you're, you don't have the authority to go in the abortion clinic, but you have the authority to bully us and our sidewall council. Yes, you are. I'm being as nice Yes, you know. You, you know, you're trying to be nice. It's passive aggressive. But guess what's happening? I'm not budging. Yes, and our sidewall counselors are not yes, budging. I, I, I respect your rights. Believe me. But at this time, can you please step over there? I'll step over here. Yes, Thank sir. You. I certainly Thank will. You. But you know we're right. You know we're right. Okay. And I appreciate you serving. I appreciate everything that you do for us. Yes, sir. But this is wrong, and you know it. You cannot tell us to leave. Can't. You know, you know I am well within my constitutional authority okay, to be here. That's pretty incredible. It really is. Listen to cut two. You know that we're doing the right thing. You need to go to the park and make arrests. Okay, so who has their citations? I'm getting hers in just a second. She should get your ID. Sir, you know we are a federally recognized charity. I tell you, we wouldn't be doing this if we were not acting under the advice of our attorney. We, we have, I know you're acting under the advice of your attorney. We have the authority to be here. I feel like we had firm legal standing. I understand. We would not be doing this. I understand, and I appreciate your service. Okay, I really do. So that's why all these police officers are here. I understand. We're prepared. I'm very thankful. For this, and, and we, you know, if you want to make this, draw this line in the sand. No, it's not me drawing the line in the sand. We Who are a recognized that? charity. Who is it? We are a recognized charity, and you it? know this. We are offering essential services to these mothers, and you know this. And we are practicing social distancing. We are doing everything well within the ordinance, well within the provision. It's a state statute. It's well within the statute. We are doing everything. I don't know how they have a leg to stand on. I'm talking about law enforcement. I don't know how they have a leg to stand on. If they are considered an essential service as a nonprofit charity, which they are, And if they were observing the social distancing requirements, which they were, and if they were staying under the number of 10, as as far as how many people were gathering, they were staying under the number of 10 because there were fewer than five. Why can't they stand in front of an abortion clinic and talk to women? You know, it's, it's insane. It's not only the unfairness of saying abortion clinics can be open, but people who try to save the baby's lives can't be there. But... I don't know about you and I don't know about where you live and where you're going when you go grocery shopping or if you go to a big box retailer. There are a lot more than 10 people in those stores, folks. And there is social distancing. People are beginning to wear masks and so forth. But there's a double standard. And you can't help but wonder if the entire motivation for cracking down on cities for life is ideological. Mm, Very highly likely, I would say. Because that's just how it goes. That's how it goes. And, and it's ridiculous. Senator Ted Cruz of Texas actually took up for David Benham online and laid out that it's, it's an unconstitutional arrest. He said they were exercising core First Amendment rights peacefully in a way fully consistent with public safety. Because elected Democrats are pro-abortion, they're abusing their power in a one-sided way to silence pregnancy counselors. And then he urged people to watch the video and he said, have you ever seen an arrest like this? 
peaceful, respectful, thanking the police officers. Elected Democrats are abusing their power for a political agenda and face civil liability under 42 U.S.C. 1983. That's the federal statute under which individuals whose constitutional rights have been violated can bring a case against public servants. And I hope that they do. In fact, that's already going on. This was from the Triad City Beat website. Four people who regularly walk and pray outside of abortion clinics in Greensboro and Charlotte, North Carolina, are now suing Greensboro Mayor Nancy Vaughn and Police Lieutenant Dan Knott, claiming that their constitutional rights are being violated by the city's enforcement of Guilford County's stay-at-home order. The Thomas More Society filed a lawsuit on behalf of these four people who are active with the pro-life group called Love Life. Greensboro Police made four arrests on March 28th and seven arrests on March 30th outside the abortion clinic known as a woman's choice for violations of the stay-at-home order. None of the plaintiffs in the civil suit are among those who were arrested, but the lawsuit seeks a temporary restraining order in federal court to allow the activists to continue to pray on a public sidewalk while claiming that the threat of arrests violates their First and Fourteenth Amendment rights. They contend that their presence outside the abortion clinic was protected under both the county and state stay-at-home orders, which include exemptions that classify outdoor activity as essential. And Stephen Crampton from the Thomas More Society said prayer is still legal during this pandemic. Greensboro's Mayor Vaughn should be ashamed of herself for using the cover of this national crisis to attack public expressions of religious faith that she disagrees with. If Mayor Vaughn were truly interested in saving lives, she would shut down this abortion clinic, which is using up critical personal protective equipment needed for the COVID-19 response. The Greensboro, now listen to this, Greensboro City Attorney Chuck Watts expressed frustration with activists' insistence that they have the right to come to Greensboro to protest. Yeah, that's who you're mad at. They want to find some sort of safe harbor in the exceptions to the stay-at-home order. There are none, he said. Any travel is problematic. The order uses labels like essential services and essential business. It authorized you to go get fresh air and walk around. That does not mean you have a license to travel anywhere in the state or the county to get that fresh air. They're not out there getting fresh air. What are you talking about? It's saying if you want to walk around your house, that's fine. That's inside. I mean, outside the perimeter of your house, that's all you're allowed to do? How is that constitutional? The idea that people around the state would decide to descend on Greensboro, they're choosing to come here to protest. I have a problem with their protest. Ding, ding, ding. There you have it. I have a problem with their protest. You don't like what they're thinking. You don't like what they're doing it for. And so that's the crux of the issue. And it's unconstitutional. What right does the state have to tell you you can't exercise your First Amendment rights, regardless of the circumstances? If they're obeying all of the orders that are out there, then they can be there and they can protest and they can provide the much more essential services of saving preborn lives. Um, and they're needed. They're needed. Somebody's life will depend on them being there. So why can't they be there? They're social distancing. They're making sure the hand sanitizer is put on their hands. They're being safe. But I'm glad to see this. I am glad to see this because if abortion clinics can stay open, you guys created the mess in the first place by allowing them to stay open, by falsely saying that abortion is an essential service, you created the mess. And you can't say one side is free to do what they want to do, but the other essential service is not free to do what they want to do. So God bless David Benham 
and we'll keep you posted on this story. And God bless those other pro-lifers as well, because lives need to be saved. Isn't that what the pandemic shutdown is all about anyway? Yep, it is. By the way, please help us send 1,200 Bibles to persecuted Christians across the world. We are working with Bible League. We are on a really good track right now, but we need your gift of $35 to send seven Bibles. Call 800-YES-WORD, 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 or there's a banner to click at JanetMefford.com. Thank you so much.